eclectic perspectives. We got Aisha Calloway and F. Christopher Blue. Different perspectives, different discussions, different topics. Eclectic perspective. Hello, it's I'm Aisha Calloway and F. Christopher Blue bringing you today's eclectic perspective. The topic of today is crime and punishment. Ms. Calloway. How are you doing, Blue? Doing fine. Had better days, but you know what I'm saying? This is a very important topic for us to touch on, but this southern heat is truly killing me. <laughs> I concur. It's been a rough day for me as well. But yeah, let's let's go ahead and dive into this topic because um I think we're gonna shock our listeners today with where we're gonna go with this, so For sure. Well I'd like to start off yeah. with one of my favorite quotes. Is it a crime? Is it a crime that I still want you? And I want you to want me too. That's by one of my favorite singers, um, Sade I do. And by saying that, I'm just going into it. By anyone's definition, I myself am a statistic, and the deck is stacked against me. One, I'm black. Two, I'm male. And three, relatively young in comparison to those established contributors of society. It was prophesied that I would be in jail or dead by the age of 21, but undoubtedly this almost came to pass after the murder of my brother and a gang-related murder in the aftermath of such an event thereafter. I did not allow that woman's prophecy to come to pass, though just about every role that was laid before me could have led to such a fate, crime, and punishment. The imprisonment of black men seems to have taken the place of Jim Crow as American society's main way of controlling black men, much like Jim Crow took the place of making them slaves. America had the highest rate of imprisonment in the world, higher than the cruelest, most backward governments on earth. As a former military personnel and contract worker, I have seen the worst of the worst, but you have done to one part of the population as the American criminal justice system has done to black men. Prisons have become a huge part of American society. If it were returned to the levels of the 1970s, the time period of my creation, about a million people would find themselves out of work, and that's just those who work at the prisons. The free prisoners themselves would drive up the black unemployment rate by at least 15 percentage points, since few employers will want to hire them and it is already the highest that it has ever been. Unfortunately, it has little to do with the crime rate and everything to do with the war on drugs, which was initiated by Ronald Reagan, one of the most vocal opponents to the black situation during his rule over the land of America. But it is not drug dealers who are filling up the prisons like one might think. It is those people who are caught with drugs, many of them who don't even have a violent past or prior arrest record. For the most part, it is not the hard drugs that they are convicted of, like heroin, ecstasy, crack, or cocaine, but that greeny green green, that chronic, that marijuana, that weed, crime, and punishment. While blacks and whites sell and possess drugs at about the same rate, guess who is filling up the prisons under these drug laws? Mostly black and Latino men, particularly those from poor neighborhoods. In some states, as many as 80 to 90 percent of those found guilty of a drug crime are black men. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court sees no racism in that. Clarence Thomas does not stand for our cause. Time and time again, he has proven that he is colorblind, or should I say, color blonde. Drug possession is a felony. That means you go to prison, and even after you do your time, you do not get to start over clean. For one, almost no one will hire you. As a former vocational rehabilitation counselor, my caseload was probation or parole. And these brothers had a difficult time gaining employment, many finding themselves recriminalizing themselves and finding themselves more trapped than before. Most professional licenses are out of the question, too. For the first five years, you cannot get public housing, the time one would need it the most. 
some states bar thumbs were ever stepping foot on public housing property. We seen an example of that a couple of years ago when that underground DVD was released in Charleston, showcased on locals who had prior convictions engaging in various activities on public housing property. You will never again get food stamps, and on and on and on. Your life has been complicated with certain obstacles. So what becomes of you? Well, for most, within three years, there's a 76% chance you will be back in prison. The very rights that blacks fought for in the civil rights movement, like the right to vote and to serve on juries, are to deny those in prison and even many who have done their time. This directly weakens black political power and possibly could have cost us what we perceive as a victory in the last presidential election. We will touch on that during another discussion. Millions of black men are having their freedom and rights taken away from them and their lives forever challenged. And for what? For violent crimes or for hurting people? Nah, not even the case. It is for something that other people get away with all the time. It has nothing to do with drugs or crime, but everything to do with controlling black men. And I want to ask you, where's the justice in that? McCallowan. That was pretty deep, Lil. Pretty deep. Um, you talked about people that are incarcerated having a hard time, I guess, mainstreaming into society, and um, that's a major concern. And I think that's why we have a strong reoccurrence of people going back to the stealing, the selling drugs, things of that nature, because they, they don't have an outlet. I mean, how do they be productive in society? You know, what are their options? Um, right. Normally their option is, I guess, maybe something like construction. And they're so limited with that. I think the problem that I have with our system is um, I have a brother that's currently incarcerated, and he has several certificates and so on and so forth, but truth be told, He's, that's not going to help him when he gets out, you know. Um, I don't understand. There's a disconnect from, with the prison system. They give them these degrees. They get out, but they. I just feel like they should have some sort of, um, I guess, system to where they can employ these individuals once they are released from prison mm-hmm. or um I don't know. So I just, I question myself, even with my brother, you know, when he gets out, what is he going to do? How is he going to survive? How can he not go back to the bad habits? I mean, where are his options? McDonald's? Burger King? I mean, I don't know. I just That's a good point. I mean, even that, they limit themselves by getting their homeboy to tattoo their hands and their necks. And they actually earmarking and putting marks on themselves that even further complicate their um their journey and to mainstreaming themselves back into a normalized society. When I say normalized, I mean a contributing member of society, those that pay taxes and therefore help the bottom line of the government. I agree with that. Um, but honestly, I think even without the tax, just because they have that history of being incarcerated, that alone is um, against them. So, I mean, I can understand your view of how the tax may also contribute, but I just think the fact that they were already incarcerated at some point in their life, just once people see that, that's it. I don't care how good you are at what you do. That's just it. You're limited. Right, right. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I just wish that um, black men in particular would make better choices in regards to um, their criminal activities. They think that it's almost, almost a badge of honor to have to say that you did this amount of time or this amount of time. But honestly, it's a it's a it's a mark of shame in many regards. I I would think. I mean, yes, sometimes we make mistakes, 
but sometimes we allow we make mistakes just based on the circumstances around us. But sometimes we make mistakes just to make that's mistakes, true. like we think it's a part of our culture. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm tired of seeing many of my peers and those that might be a few years behind me still doing the nickel and dime stuff they were doing in their teen years. I figure if you ain't got mm-hmm. to a certain level by a certain age, then that's definitely something you should walk away from. I should not see 30-year-old men still nickel and diamond on the corner, still um, selling, you know what I'm saying, ounces and thinking that they're mm-hmm. doing something. Mm-hmm. Brother, you could say everything that you're thinking you're making in the streets, you could easily make, you know what I'm saying, if you had a job. I mean, let's just think about the forward thing. Okay, yeah, it's a decent profit on you know, selling drugs. But then let's look at all the time you lose, all the time you lose in imprisonment, which is taken away from income, all the time you may lose in um, lawyer fees, which is taken away from income. And then when you look at it on a monthly basis, the money that you make from the, from that lifestyle ain't really all that, really. When it's all said and done, if you had a 9 to 5, 40 hours, you probably still would have kept about the same amount. But, you know, those that drop out in 7th and 8th grade aren't really the best mathematicians, are they? <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Um I think my issue is with my clients, um, they tend to brag about being incarcerated, you know. And I don't understand that ideology. It's like, well, I did a five-year bid. You excited about this? I mean, I just don't understand. So you take that mentality into anybody's job, you're not going to get hired. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do get hired, you're going to probably get fired because that's going to be the topic of your conversation while you're at work. So. I don't know. I just think that I do understand that, you know, we all make mistakes, and we do what we think we have to do because sometimes we're limited as far as what our options are. Um, You know, we're a product of our environment. So I do understand to some extent, um, and that's kind of where parenting comes in, Right. you know, to teach our children that there are other options regardless of where we currently are regardless of what your dad or mom did or didn't do, regardless if mom or dad is incarcerated for selling drugs or extortion or whatever it may be. So I don't know. I truly understand the logic behind um, the easy way, whether it be selling drugs or prostitution. Mm-hmm. I do understand it. Um, I don't agree with it, but I do. I truly understand. Right. I just think that for anybody that is incarcerated for any amount of time that they should get out and have, I don't care if it's a brochure, if it's a class they have to take, to know what their options are. You've been incarcerated for X amount of time, and this is what we have set up for you. You know, to give them some sort of option, and that option may be them working at McDonald's. That option may be them, you know, doing some work on the road or construction. It may be something, but they need something. I think the fact that our system is um, not preparing them in, the, in a world that is changing so fast, you know, it just it leads them back to the same door, you know. Right, right. It's, it's just a cycle. What is your perspective? Call 646-378-0455 and press 1 to give your perspective. All right, looks like we have a perspective coming out of Roxborough, North Carolina. Roxborough. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, what's going on? Uh, this is Adam. You probably knew that. Oh, already. hey, Adam, how you doing? <laughs> Thanks for calling the show, Adam. Yeah, no problem. Um, a, a couple things that, that I want to mention. Uh, first, uh, you know, uh, there was a study that was done and uh, where it kind of showed 
some of the things that are that are missing. You know, elephants, mm-hmm. when they, they had brought in some elephants, this was uh, some years ago, these were juvenile uh, male elephants. And they were very, mm-hmm. very destructive, very, very destructive, tearing up everything. And someone said, you know, if you can just get a male in there, uh, a, a male bull, a mature bull, that, you know, maybe things will, will calm down. And what happened was when they got that male bull in there, uh, those young juvenile elephants did calm down. And see, one of the, the biggest problems that we have uh, today is that we have fathers that are absent. Uh, and if, mm-hmm. if, if if we don't get that under control, uh, it's going to be very difficult uh, to get anything else under control because uh, young men got to have strong men in front of them to uh, to sort of lead them and guide them. Uh, granted, a lot of things uh-huh. that is that is happening in this country isn't fair, uh, but it doesn't give us a right to 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 break laws. I mean, particularly when you know. That is wrong. I mean, I think that goes more to a character issue than it does to a race issue. Uh, and the other thing is, is that the drug dealers, you know, you know, you have to give them some credit in terms of their ability to to manage. You know, they are using some mm-hmm, of the same mm-hmm. mindset that the mainstream CEOs are using, um, but they don't really see that because they don't really have anyone really sitting down and telling them that you have the abilities to 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 do something more with your mind. Uh, in terms of school, and I think you mentioned something about your your brother. What is he, what is he going to do? You know, a lot of these guys do have college degrees when they're in jail. But you know, one of the things that mm-hmm. they, they they don't teach people, uh, white or black, is that when you go to college, uh, the you know you never really hear anyone ever teaching you to be self sufficient, to be a business owner, to really uh, take what you've learned from college and actually do something to be a to be a producer of jobs rather than be a consumer of jobs. Um, and so mm-hmm. a lot of people get into this, this mindset. Uh, that's why we have so much right now, uh, unemployment right now, you know, 10 million people being out of work, because we are mm-hmm. so conditioned to be a consumer. Uh, and most, mm-hmm. a lot of these people mm-hmm. got degrees, and they don't go out and actually produce jobs. Now, I will tell you that right now uh, about 500,000 uh, new jobs have been created because these very people who was once employed are now saying, look, you know, I have got to do something different. So they've gone out and they start producing, and now they have, uh, you know, they have the opportunity now to actually hire people. And, uh, But I, I certainly think that if we can get, you know, I don't know how we can really fix it, guys, because a lot of the fathers, you know, their priorities are in the wrong order. You know, you got, right. you know, I mean, and, and really – this could be a part three and four on, on the show because there's so much at stake here. You know, these fathers, you know, a lot of them really don't know how to be fathers uh, because they, their fathers were fathers with them. And so you got this vicious mm-hmm. cycle. Uh, and so, you know, we're free in one sense. You know, the elephant, when they bring them in, a lot of, them, a lot of times they have to chain them, and they use these really mm-hmm. heavy-duty chains. And at some point, uh, once they got them under subjection, they use really, uh, you know, low-type metal, you know, it, it, I mean, almost to the point like it's a string. But the fact that it's still tied mm-hmm. to their ankle, they think that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still chained. And, you know, mm-hmm. and they don't realize that, you know, if I could just pull a little bit more, I would make it. But it's a, it's a mind game, guys. It's, it's a mind thing that, that once your mind Definitely. is taken, once that's taken hostage, it's easy to, to do whatever else with you because you, you really – you, you've lost the fight. You know, the, the fight is That's gone. True. 
you know. So anyway, that's my my comments. For, you know, for what it's worth, I just wanted to call in and uh, you know, because you know, you guys are y'all y'all are doing a good thing, and Christopher, a good friend of mine. So I just thought I'll throw that in there. Hopefully, we'll get some other people to come in and actually uh, maybe add to it, or you know, however they feel about it. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Adam, for your perspective, and I think it's very relevant. I appreciate your um your view on the subject and sharing with us today. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Um, it's funny. We briefly touched on this topic last week about, um, you know, the absent fathers or absent parents altogether. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think it's so true that a lot of parents don't know how to parent. I mean, they are truly doing the best they can. Um, sad but true, the best that they're doing is just it's not enough. Um and it's crazy because, you know, there are not a lot of programs here, big brother, big sister programs, um, a lot of mentor programs, they're lacking. So even for single parents, whether it be male or female, or even um, there used to be a program called Father to Father. I don't know if it's yeah. still around or not. but right. um, I remember that program. You know, I mean, some parents, some fathers are reaching out to say, hey, how do I do this? How do I fix me so I can help my child? And I just think that we don't have enough programs out there. It's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that a lot of males know how to be men anymore. Right. And I think that's the greatest disconnect because if you're, you know, age doesn't make you a man. If you are just a male that's 35 trying to raise your five, six-year-old son, but you're still stuck in that male status and haven't graduated to being a man, I mean – you know, the children are our future. So, again, we're just creating a repetitive cycle of males, you know, not not men. And when you think about it, I think that moms play a big role in raising their children to the best of their abilities. But, honestly, my thought is that, you know, children, period, little girls, little boys, they need their father more than they need their mother. Right. Uh, and, and I feel very strongly about that. But, you know, I just, this is just, I don't know. I mean, there are no programs in the communities anymore, so children are home all day, parents are at work, so they find things to get into. And they're not the best things, but, I mean, it's normally things that are going to land them in jail. You know, they're joyriding in somebody's car or they're in a store and they're shoplifting. You know, I just, I don't know. Society just has its priorities conflicted greatly. <sighs> Yeah, unfortunately, that is the case, especially in regards to the crime, you know what I'm saying, that most black males I shake hands with, I could say easily three out of four who I shake hands with at any given time have been touched by the criminal element, have been victimized Mm -hmm. by the criminal element at some point in their lives. Even I, myself, have fallen to that trap in my younger years. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I know it's hindered my ability to do greater things in the community because it's a strike against me that employers use to keep me from being gainfully employed in service of a particular sector. Fortunately, mm-hmm. it hasn't always been the case, and I've been able to do great things in the community. I just wish that people wouldn't look at it. You know, if they, let's say that you did do crime. We don't, have to, we don't always have to be judged by what we did in the past. I would hope that's that someone could open their eyes in such a way that they can walk away from the past and don't, be, don't allow themselves to be judged by the past, even if others judge them on the past. Continue to do good works. Don't fall into the trap of continuing in that criminal element or being trapped just because you think, oh, well, I remember in such and such year I got two years for this or that. 
Really, mm-hmm. I mean that's the path, and in fact, use that as a as a stepping stone. I've been through that. I've got past that, and I'm moving on to a better, a bigger plateau. Well, but I'm um, black. Black youth who inspire the fear seem not merely unrecognizable, but alien to the masses who fear them in regards to seeing life from their perspective. Not that we can't understand where they come from when we stop to consider. After all, the child is father to the man. And think how many inner-city black children are without parents, relatives, neighbors, teachers, coaches, or clergymen to teach them right from wrong, give them loving and consistent discipline, show them the moral and material value of hard work and study, and bring them to cherish the self-respect that comes only from respecting the life, liberty, and property of others. Think how many black children grow up where parents neglect and abuse them, where other adults and teenagers harass and harm them, where drug dealers exploit them. Not surprisingly, in return for the favor, some of these children kill, rape, maim, and steal without remorse. And around goes the negative feedback loop. Reasonable fear feeds unreasonable white race hostility, whose reality in turn feeds unreasonable black paranoia about the justice system. Um, that's um, pretty much what we just talked about um, for the most part. And it just, to me, when you just read that, it just kind of boils down to, again, you know, parents having to, to parent. I mean, mm-hmm. our children are doing a lot of what they see on TV, what they hear in certain types of music. And sad but true, but the television and the music has became the parent. Um I don't know. I just think that we all can look at ourselves, everybody that has a child or children, and there's room for improvement. I don't care if it's just spending more time with your child, talking to them about different things, or um, just, you know, making you a better investment in yourself as a parent. You know, pick up a novel, talk to people about parenting. You know, we spend hours on the phone and on Facebook and, you know, talking about everything but the things that truly matter. Um and I just think that sometimes, you know, we lack that. And I'm pretty sure we all think that we're great parents. I think I'm a great parent, but I also know that there's room for improvement. Right. You know, so. And I just truly believe that parents are their children's first educators, you know. So my thing is to, to rear your child the best you can, teach them, you know, to have values and morals, you know, things like not stealing, not selling drugs, you know, just for little girls to take pride in their bodies as well as men as well. But, um. I don't know, it's just, it's so much easier said than done. And honestly, I'm sitting here thinking about it as we're conversing, and it's like, where do we start, even with our own children? Where do you truly start, you know? Um, yeah, let's chime in. Let's have someone chime in with their perspective. Call well, that would be good. Last digits, 5-5. Five, five. Caller, you're on live oh, yeah. with a couple of Yes, sir. Yes, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine, sir. Yourself? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right, man. I'm just calling in and just um, listening to what you guys are saying. Do you have a well, perspective yeah, on the topic? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, go ahead and get a green light. No, I was just, um, I feel what you guys were saying. Um, and as, 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 as a whole, you know, we got to step up as a as parents, like you say, because um, a lot of these kids out here doing all this foolishness, they lacking uh, a male role model. 
Yes, and like a father is very important, you know, it's like, it's like a lot of people don't understand that, you know, you can't, you, you can say all you want to say about these kids and all this stuff they're doing, but, you know, until you be a father or a mentor to somebody, you know, you don't really want to know the impact because as when I was young, mm-hmm. I used to do a lot of stuff based on just seeing people around me do it. Right. And I had to learn mm-hmm. that, you know, you can't father the crowd. Right. Sometimes, sometimes people pay a price that they don't, sometimes people pay a price that they're not willing to pay in order to learn. And I, I've learned through other people's mistakes. But the father is very important and the mother is yeah. very important. Yes, yeah, sir. That's definitely, that's definitely. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Thank you. Thank you, you know, we thank you for calling the show. Oh, I can't hear. Oh, you I'm saying? sorry, I said we thank you for calling the show. Oh, yeah, 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 no problem. I, I'm glad. Um, I was um notified about the show yesterday. My name is Carjean. They call me Lover, but I was just calling okay. in because I said I would. They I call, was hold on, hold on, hold on. I got it. They call you what? What they call you? Lover. Lover, L-U-V-A. Okay. That's just a name, like like Pookie or Renee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just wanted some clarification. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. That's all it is, that name. Well, I'm glad you so got I the word. Like, uh, huh? I can't hear you. What you No, I had a question. Like, right now I'm only hearing, like, two voices. So that means only two people online. What, three, three of us online right now? Nah, I only yes, activate one mic. I only activate one mic at a time. That way, they won't be no over talking each other, which still happens even after the fact. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. How long is this going on, man? We've been doing this about eight weeks. So I think that's about seven weeks, but eight weeks. About seven about weeks. That. All right. Every yeah. Sunday, six p.m. Oh, I'm collecting perspectives. Mm-hmm. You say it starts. It starts at six. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Everyday thing. This is an everyday thing, or this is like just on Sundays. Uh Sundays at six. Just on Sundays. Good, good family time. Good family oriented show, with the exception of the month of July, which is all about relationships and love. Those are mature oriented. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, I just want to. I don't sir. No, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to. Um, I just wanted to weigh in on what y'all were saying, because I said I would call, and I did that. So y'all mm-hmm. just keep on doing what you're doing. I'm going I'm to leave y'all to y'all conversations. So y'all just keep on doing what you're doing, and I'll, I'll call back another time. All right, well, thank you. Well, we appreciate you. All right, y'all have a nice day. You too, man. You too. All right. What is your perspective? Call 646-378-0455 and press 1 to give your perspective. Um, this is a great segue into um, the topic that you um, was most passionate about in regard to crime and punishment, Ms. Calloway, your perspective. And what was that? <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about the crime of infidelity. Mm. Um, that's very, very important to me. Um, I think that the one, you know, there are so many people that cheat and, you know, have issues within their marriages and, I don't think they realize how it affects the other person. Um, the one that got cheated on sometimes feel that it's something they did or didn't, you know, do to keep their partner happy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that people look at it, I guess, close enough. I, um, 
actually received an email from somebody who saw the um, topic, and we talked about it. And um, she was saying that she had been molested before, and um, it took her years to get through that. And still with being molested, the thing that hurt her most and had her not able to function mm-hmm. was the fact that her partner cheated on her. Um, she ended up on antidepressants, wasn't able to go to work, couldn't sleep, you know. So I thought that was very interesting that, you know, being molested for a number of years, but yet the fact that your partner cheated on you once was more intense. And you had to, you know, seek medication and things of that nature just to be able to function on a day-to-day level. That was pretty deep. That was pretty deep. Yeah, that I mean the fallout of such um such mistakes made in relationships. I mean, it not only affects the two, I mean the children are duly affected by such things as well. If people could only see start thinking on the short term, we're talking twenty twenty to forty minutes in most cases. Sometimes as low as two minutes is what I've been told by some women. If you only think about the consequences of such a short amount of time of pleasure, the undue consequences that come out of that, the punishment, not only you punish, but you punish your mate. And you punish your children in the aftermath and the fallout. And it's, it's a terrible thing. I wish we could just open our minds more and keep have more open perspectives in regards to the things we do because everything has a consequence. The consequence does not necessarily mean positive or negative. It's just what happens after the fact. And if we could only see that definitely, far ahead, we would, we would probably, definitely. I could see us making better decisions, better choices, because we're not hurting ourselves. We're hurting many others. Many others are affected by this. Well, I think, too, um, you know, we have to remember that when we – cheat, whether, you know, you're married or just dating, you know, a lot of times there are children that are affected by this. Um, both parties may have children. Mm-hmm. Um, family members, you know, you have a lot that is, that's vested, hopefully, in your marriage, you know, finances, materialistic items, your emotional state, you know, and it's right. like, how do you how do you get past that, especially if you're the person that was cheated on? Um, right. I've been cheated on a time or two. I can't say that I ever felt like it was my fault. I always feel like I'm doing what I need to be doing, and my whole thing with any relationship is to remain thoughtless. Um, if we're communicating and you're letting me know that you need me to do whatever it is you want me to do, whether it's something sexual, whether it's something emotional, I might just need to be quiet. You know, I'm going to definitely try to do that, but I just feel that people cheat because they want to. There's never a reason to cheat, you know. I think you do it because it's an easy out. Um You may be unhappy, but I don't think that means you need to cheat. I think that means you need to communicate. And you need to figure out how do we fix this? Do we need to go on dates? Do we need to start over? You know, what do we do? But I don't ever think that cheating is is the answer to anything. Right. Well, what are the consequences for adultery? Um, People don't usually set out to commit adultery, don't set out, you know, to cheat on their mate. Most often it just snags them before they know what's happening. It's like a frog placed in warm water. At the temperature of the water gradually increases, the unsuspecting frog doesn't realize he's getting fried before it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> Adultery affects not only the people cute. involved. <laughs> I know, right, right. It has a frog that does the data flies through it. Adultery affects not the people involved, but everyone else close to them. Although it's um, rampant, it should be taken seriously and prevented before it even starts. Um, I agree. It's been going on for a long time. It will continue to go on. But, I mean, with these, New improved and new HIVs, STDs. Mm. I mean, that's just another. I mean, determining consequence from such behaviors. Um, it also changes the interactions of people, not only in their close relationship, but how they deal with others that even 
the further circles of how they would, how they act around their coworkers, the the way they perform at work. Because sometimes, sometimes the, that particular crime basically um, catalyzes them in order to, just to focus on that. Oh, how can I get away with this? Oh, I wonder if I can get away from work for a couple hours. And mm-hmm. da, da, da. It negatively not only affects the relationships they're in, but their workload. And if you just don't realize the fallout okay. that any particular movement or thing that we do, the causations it has in other aspects of our lives. And we have a caller with the last digits, 3-6. Caller. Yes. I'd like to hear your perspective on crime and punishment. Okay, um, I think that cheating um, is definitely a crime. Um, not only is it one of the most selfish things that you could do to someone, and not only uh, you're cheating on your spouse if there are children involved, you're definitely cheating on your family as well. I just think people don't take the time, you know, to really get to know a person. They just rush into relationships. Next thing you know, they're married. They haven't even... Um, maybe gotten to know the person, you know, you just don't give yourself enough time to get to know people, to get to know yourself um, for that matter. Um, To me, cheating is clearly just an unfortunate side effect that a relationship is definitely completely over. There's no, it takes a strong person to be able to come back from that or to be even to trust your mate again. Mm. Wow. That's pretty deep. So, Carla, I have a question for you, and you don't have to answer, but have you ever been cheated on? Um, To be honest, no, I've never been cheated on, but I have cheated on my husband, uh, my ex-husband now um, in the past. And I didn't do it, you know, there's no excuse for why I did it. It's just something that I really wanted to do. And the first time, you know, it happened, it was like, okay, I did it, no big deal, but as I continued to be with this person more, it was just like the excitement that I was not getting from my marriage that kept me there Mm -hmm. versus me, you know, respecting myself enough, first of all, in the first place, or respecting my marriage enough or the guy that I was married to instead of me going to him talking about the problem, um, trying to, you know, find a way to resolve our issues or whatever, I just continued to cheat. And I did not feel guilty um, until I got caught. Wow. How did you get caught? Um, that's for another topic. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you got that call number because I might have to call her back after the show. <laughs> yeah, I have a call. I know I she said lot. she got caught. <laughs> she didn't say she came clean. All righty. Hmm. So, so I do have one question. Um. How long did the affair go on, if you don't mind me asking? Um, For about five, a little over five months. Wow. And I will tell anyone who's listening um, this, that I, I think the only reason I got caught is not because so much that my, my husband noticed uh, a difference in me, you know, like just my attitude towards him, period, but... I started to slip, you know, in the beginning of the affair. I, I was always watching my back. You know, I covered my tracks good. Then, you know, once you give yourself to someone, there there's some type of 
for most people, I'll say, there's some type of emotional bond that you're forming with that person. So the more you start to lean toward this way, you don't cover your tracks the same. You don't, you know, do the same things that you used to do to keep yourself from mm-hmm. getting caught. So I was slipping, you know, and just the sound of my husband, my ex-husband's voice would just send me an outrage, not necessarily because of anything that he did, but I just didn't want that anymore. I didn't want him anymore. Just to hear his voice would just, like, aggravate me totally. So he could tell, you know, different things that I would do, different things that I wouldn't do anymore. He suspected. So he caught on, and that's how I got caught. (laughs) All righty. Well, folks out there, if y'all dating, just stay focused, pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) Pay attention. Pay attention. But, um, I guess my thing, um, the biggest thing for me with people um, cheating is that, you know, again, we have to be responsible for our actions and, and realize that our actions affect more than ourselves. You know, again, it affects our children. And so many children even feel like, am I the cause of the divorce that my parents are going through or did I do something incorrect, you know, things of that nature. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just think that we get so caught up in the moment sometimes, you know, we focus on what our mate is not doing, you know, my wife is not cooking like she used to. She's not doing this. She's not doing that. And sometimes we have to get away from what our partners is not doing and focus on what they are doing. Right. And I think we get so comfortable and complacent because we get used to each other, and we don't say thank you anymore. We don't say please anymore. We don't say, you know, honey, I'm so glad that you, you know, you're continuing to, to go to work every day and support us. You know, I appreciate you being a man. But little things um, that I think we've lost focus on, as far as what it takes to maintain a relationship because of that comfort level that we obtain through time. Mm-hmm. But um, we really have to focus on, on being more responsible as a whole period um, right. when it comes to the topic we talked about earlier as well as in any and everything we do in life. You know, we, got, we need to look at self first. We really do. We need to self-evaluate probably a couple times per day, to be honest. But, right. um, definitely, definitely. What is your question? Six four six three seven eight zero four five five, and press one to give your perspective. Oh, it looks like the producer pushed the raw button while you was talking. Were you saying something, Ms. Calloway? I know. I noticed that. Look. They're slipping today. <laughs> I know what's what's going on with the producers. We have to get on them about that. Mm-hmm, we will. But no, I lost my train of thought because I was interrupted. But it's all right. So, Mister Blue, what did you take on um, our caller just now? Yeah, I mean, infidelity, adultery is a crime, and I found it interesting that she was as as revealing as she was because women always want to, for the most part, present themselves as the victim, the one that usually find themselves in the shoes that her husband found himself in. I appreciate her honesty in declaring that, you know what I'm saying, that she Definitely. she committed the crime and she's now, you know, and she was punished for it. I mean, probably, I mean, she didn't really say, but the dissolution of her marriage and um, painting the one that she supposedly went into vows with or loved, you know what I'm saying, loved enough to get married anyway. And then whoever else might have been negatively affected, I don't know if they had children together or whatever. But, yeah, I think in hindsight, Either she's going to be a better cheater or she's going to be a person that doesn't find herself doing <laughs> such crimes in the future. You know what I mean? Well, let's pray that is um, her finding herself as a person that's not committing those crimes. Um, right. I just got an email 
and it's from John. He didn't give us a last name. Mm-hmm. And he says, due to an ever-decreasing sex life with my wife, I am planning on cheating the first chance I get. I won't regret it because she will have deserved me string because she won't take care of my needs. I've expressed that I need more from her, but apparently she's not capable or willing to give it to me. Believe it or not, it's actually the emotional connection I crave as much as a physical connection. So, John, uh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, Blue, you're you're a man. What, what are you thinking? John. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. He said he's going to cheat the first chance he gets. Wow. Um, Any damn time, really. It's just not worth it. I mean, I don't know how long you've been married. I don't know how long you've been in a relationship this woman. I don't know long, how long you've been going through this. But honestly, through communication, anything can be solved if both parties are willing to contribute to the conversation that's to take place or the series of conversations that will take place. But to cheat just because you feel like you're not getting what you need physically or emotionally, well, then apparently the ball had to be dropped somewhere along the line. And it's about recatalyzing that ball, reintroducing yourself to the person that you supposedly fell in love with or decided to marry, redoing the things that you did to captivate her in the first place, the dating, the um, courting, like my grandmother used to say. But just to say, well, I'm going to do this. In a way, you already said that you earmarked the end of that relationship. And if that's the case, then file the papers. Like I just said, he's ready to sign them. I know. Sign them. Well, my um, comment to John is this. Um, because of the lack of information that he provided in this email, I don't know how long they've been married. I don't know if children are involved at this point. Um, or maybe she wasn't working at one point and now she is. I don't know. There's a lot of loopholes. Um, my thing is to continue, you know, conversing with your wife about your needs before you go out there and cheat. And um, talk to her about counseling. Maybe that might help you guys. Maybe there's something that took place that we don't know about. But um, definitely cheating should not be an option at all. I think if you feel like you need to cheat, you need to discuss that with her, and y'all can go from that position. But um, there's so much at stake with cheating, HIV, you know, just divorce. And, and I don't know at this point, John, if that's what you're, you're willing to, to do, if you're willing to have a divorce. It doesn't sound like it from your email. But um, definitely talk to your wife and seek counseling for the both of y'all if she's willing to go. And I wish you guys the best, but try not to cheat. And if you do, strap up. That's all I can say. You know, safe sex. Um, that was interesting. It's interesting. sad at the same time. Yeah, it's very sad. Such choices, such um, such crimes against others, and the consequences. But it sounds like his mind is made up. That's he said, I, said I, I plan on cheating the first done. chance I get. Right, right. So I don't even know if what we're saying is going to help him, but wow. If you're a wife listening and you're not giving it to your husband, I'm going to need you to, you know, handle your business because this brother said he just, he out. He out, oh, wow. All right. Well, I have one more email that just came in, and this is from Tifa. She says, before I got involved in an extramarital relationship, I thought it was a taboo type of thing. Then I realized it helped spice up my marriage, and I'm more pleasant to be around in the house. But nevertheless, I did feel guilty about my action toward my primary partner 
He's a hardworking man, great father and husband. I don't have any desire to leave him, but I enjoy the extramarital affair. Wow. I don't even know what to say because um, listening to what she's saying about her husband, I mean, he doesn't sound like a bad guy at all. It just goes back to my point earlier that I think people cheat because they want to cheat. I don't think they have to have a good reason or any reason. I just think they do it because they want to. Now for a brief intermission. And we're back at Collective Perspectives. Today's topic, crime and punishment. If you have a perspective on today's subject, please call 646-378-0455. Once again, that's 646-378-0455. And press the number one, and that's to talk to the host and go live on the air. Whew, yeah, your friend Shatifa, Shakrifa, whatever that name is. That, that's a very interesting, um, yeah, that's what I said. Interesting perspective, um, <laughs> considering, you know what I'm saying, she's doing the crime and, and, they ha- and reaping all the benefits of the crime. Unfortunately, uh, too. I, I promise uh, you this, too. punishment is on its way. I promise you. I believe that. So, Pete, if you're listening, I mean, you really need to reevaluate self because there are a lot of women that would love to be in your shoes. A hardworking man, great father and husband. You haven't I mean, said anything negative about this man, and you are you just know. enjoying your extramarital relationship. Out of all the males I know, one in ten may, just may, fit that criteria. One in ten. Wow. One in ten? I was thinking more like one in 50. Okay. I mean, I was just uh, trying to be positive. Okay. I was just <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to be realistic. I mean, one in 50 is, is a bit much. I'm pushing the envelope with I that. But, um, too, I don't know too many men fit that criteria to that. Wow. He got that and said, well, I'm going to spice it up by doing this. Yeah. Well, Except the relationship that this man is contributing, everything that he's contributing to the relationship. Spice that up. Then we can think about the spicing up something outside of that. Well, you know what? I just hope her and John don't hook up because it's going to be trouble. That's all I can say. Trouble, trouble, trouble. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. On another note. Yeah, on another note. I don't note, know. So, Mr. Blue, I, I'm going to try into your life now. Um, can you tell our listeners if you've ever been cheated on? Have I ever been cheated on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been cheated on. How'd that make you feel? Makes you feel like, um, well, there's reasons behind it. I understand the reason. Um, uh, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> everybody makes All choices right. for whatever reason they feel they made a choice. Reality, there's no such thing as absolute reality. It's interpretive. And in her reality, she felt justified in her decision. Definitely. Therefore, Definitely. Um, Definitely. but her decision had its consequences that she still to this day may be paying for or maybe not. Mm. I pray to God that all is mm. well. I don't communicate with her to, in order to find these things out. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure even those that say they never have, probably have been and just mm. um, come to the realization that it came to pass. Huh. I don't know. I think um, for me personally, if I'm dating somebody and they cheat, we're finished. It's over. It's done. I'm going to just let you do you. Mm-hmm. But if I'm married, I don't know if I would let it go that easily. I think 
I would try to um, work on it, mm-hmm. if at all possible. Now, if he's a serial cheater, that's a different story, you know. But if it happens, we're human, and I think that, you know, we all have issues. But there's, I've heard stories where people have cheated and um, it's actually made their marriage stronger because they get into a place where they realize, wait, you know, I could have lost a, a really good man or a really good woman. And, you know, it's sad that it may have taken that action to happen, but it happens, you know. I think um, so in that aspect, cheating may not have been 100% a bad thing. But, um, you know, that old saying, you don't miss a good thing till it's gone. So I think that people can that can get through a cheating relationship, especially a marriage, right. you know, kudos to them. But for me, I don't. I, I can pretty much confidently say, unless it's like with a family member or something like that, my best friend, something like that, I would definitely try to work it out with my husband. Just because, you know, marriage is a, is a serious, a serious, serious step. Right. And, um, you know, as long as he's willing to work it out, I don't think right. I would just let it go just like that. And that's the truth. I mean, I'd rather going to go through, you know, some drama, but, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to make it <laughs> but, uh, Just a little bit, you know. A little bit. Might not cook it clean for about six months, you know. But. Okay. What well, is one other perspective I wanted to bring to light, courtesy of um, my producer, Ashley Mitchell? Within the Department of Social Services, there's a large majority of cases where children are being raised in single-family homes. Mothers sometimes don't know who the child's father is, the father is in prison, or is just not involved, also known as absentee parents. Absent parents are sometimes absent due to the mother not informing the father that she has even had a child. This could also be due to the father denying paternity of the child. In any case, these children are more likely to bear the burdens of their single parent. These children witness and know firsthand the financial, social, and emotional struggles of their parents. As a result of missing parents, these children are oftentimes left at the mercy of the DSS system. The mandate of the state is to maintain the safety and well-being of all children. If a custodial parent is deemed unfit due to drug use, severe physical discipline, or abandonment, when there is no alternative family, these children become simply put children of the state. They are placed in foster homes and group homes as a means to provide stability. Imagine being ripped from the only home you know. Your mom is there. Your siblings are there. You're comfortable to share a bed with your younger sibling and you feel safe. Someone comes knocking on the door and is telling you your mom you must leave. You can no longer live in the only home you know. They're talking about mm. you, not to you. No one will acknowledge you or answer any of your questions. You know nothing bad is happening, but you don't know what it is. They tell you this is to keep you safe. You always thought you were safe. What do they mean my home is not safe, you think to yourself. The problem with all this is the children being removed is supposed to be protected. Maintain safety and well-being for the children. What about those who respond negatively to the removal? There's an entire population Mm -hmm. of children with behavioral problems as a result of separation anxiety due to being removed from their home. There's an entire division dedicated to handling children who don't do well based on their emotional and physical response to the separation. The real punishment is faced by the child at the expense of a careless parent. If the child is removed, now the parent can do as they please and not have extra mouths to feed. Well, who cares about the child now? As a parent, that was your job. Now, someone else is taking that responsibility of caring for, nurturing, and loving the seeds you created. The crime was the parent, but the punishment is often the burden of the child. But as an added note, I would like to say that many children that are put into these foster care children 
and become wards of the state are recriminalized over and over. There's numbers and numbers of cases of physical and sexual abuse that have a damaging, damaging effect of that child even well into adulthood. Definitely, definitely. On that note, uh, I definitely want to, I'm a foster parent, and um, I definitely understand exactly where our producer Ashley is coming from with this because, you know, a lot of times in the foster system, these children are shuffled from one home to the next uh, without therapeutic services that are um, them towards their shuffling. Um, they don't have therapeutic services based on their quote-unquote drug use or um, sexual behaviors, things of that nature. But there's nothing um, that I've seen since I've been doing um, foster parenting that, you know, extends past the quote-unquote, you know, top issues. Um, and it has to be hard. I mean, my last foster child, when it was time for her to leave, she just, like, packed her stuff like it was just, like, I'm going to grab my purse and go to the store. I mean, it was, like, no emotion. And I know it has to be some kind of emotion that, you know, you're always uprooted from one house to the next. I mean, I can't imagine. I really can't. And, you know, I just think that is just, our system, again, is just so shattered. It's not even broken. Our system is shattered. Mm-hmm. And I feel for these children because it's like what kind of life are they going to have? What kind of relationships are they going to be in, you know? I mean, when they're just so used to moving from one place to the next. I mean, there's hope, but statistically speaking, they just they don't get to know stability. They're not in one school long enough. They're not in one home long enough. I don't know. It's It's sad. I have an unknown caller who has their hand up. Caller? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right, and I'd like to ask um, a question. <clears throat> Is it possible yes, for a man and a woman um, to sign a contract that if the woman gets pregnant, that if uh, for her to have an abortion, and within the contract, if she, if she changes her mind afterwards, after she's pregnant, and decides mm-hmm. not to have the abortion, is it possible to have clauses in that contract that the man does not pay any type of financial uh, support towards that child? Ms. Callaway. <laughs> I knew you was going to do that. Honestly, I cannot answer that question. Um, I would think that if you went through attorneys, and again, I, I would think that pretty much almost anything is possible. I. Honestly, I don't know. I definitely don't think it would be something that you guys could do amongst yourself. I definitely think that um, you both would have to obtain your own attorney and go from there. But I, I've never heard of a case or a situation such as such as that. So I, I really don't have a concrete answer for you. Okay. But um. But even if the contract was signed, is it, is it possible that um, the contract would still be null and void because of? the Supreme Court ruling? I would think that this case would probably be eligible to go to the Supreme Court because no lower state has definitely has touched it or ruled on it. It would probably have to go all the way to the top. And their determination right now probably would side with the mother that seems to be the the heir of this um, particular um, Supreme Court at this time. I would say that um, that when it comes to human life, that the the sole responsibility within um, the, the time that she's carrying it relies on her. So, you know, her terminating at a certain point falls on her. 
her terminating it before the, that certain point falls on her. I think that any contract that's made after the fact, it in itself is nullified just by the you know the many numerous Supreme Court rulings we had in regards to it. But unfortunately, not being a lawyer, I don't have enough information to say yeah or nay. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't either. Um, what I can do, I'm pretty. If you don't know a lawyer, I can. Um, if you go to our website, Eclectic Perspectives, um, I can give you the name of a lawyer that may be able to help you with that. But I, I really don't know enough about it either to give you a concrete answer. Okay, uh, I have another question then. I was uh, listening um, to some commentary on. The, have you heard about the, you know the Lawrence Taylor you know rape case? Yes, sir. And yeah. it said that in this particular case, he cannot, as a matter of defense, state, "I did it," but. And now those are the words of this guy who was an attorney. He was saying that Lawrence Taylor, he doesn't have he doesn't have that defense available to him. You know, right. it's either. I did it or I didn't do it. Right. It's not a question of, yeah, I did it, but because she was 16 and she was a prostitute and she looked like she was, you know, 25, I have a defense. So do you two know anything about uh, that? Yeah, what it is is when you say yay, you're actually taking on all the burdens of the court. You have to say nay Mm -hmm. and then prove the points that are actually applicable. Yeah, I know that one. I'm really, I've been in that position before. So by him saying, yeah, he's taking all the burdens of the court laying upon him. By saying, by saying mm-hmm. nay, he can then admit what he's guilty of and what he's not guilty of. So his best exactly. bet would be to say, not guilty, boom, prove your point. Yeah, well, that's the only thing that's available for him. He can either say not guilty or guilty as opposed to... Right, so he can where... say not guilty because he's not taking on all the burdens of the court. He has, he has a case in some regards. So he would, his best bet is to say not guilty. Boom, then prove your point. By saying guilty, he takes on all of the burdens of the court. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but here's, here's my point about that. Um, mm-hmm. If I were Lawrence Taylor, I would, I would use that. I would just say in common sense, that would be my defense. Number one, she's a prostitute. Number two, right. she looks like she's 25. Number th- actually, number one, I, I wouldn't be, it's not up to me to be responsible for the lifestyle of some young girl. Right. To me, it's not even a question of, oh, Lawrence Taylor went to a prostitute. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care. He went to a prostitute, so what? I don't think he's married anymore, right? Uh, I have no information to support sure. that, and I think he's been married for a long time, depending you know. on his, his recent behaviors. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I mean, even if he was married or not married. If he was married, that's between he and his wife. If he's Correct. not married, then people might get uh, really taken aback because here he is, you know, a local hero, you know, if you live in New York, and, you know, he's, ah, Lawrence Taylor, no, we shouldn't have. To me, I don't care if he lived in New York, if he lived on Mars. If he wanted to go have sex with somebody who was willing to have sex with him, and he was willing to pay for it, and she was willing to accept it, that's between them. So that, to me, is number one. shouldn't be anybody's business, not even the law. Secondly, um, to not have that kind of defense where a defendant could say, I did do this, but I didn't know I was breaking the law because it's not my responsibility to have uh, to hold her burden as well as mine. So I'm thinking this is unconstitutional for anybody, not even Lawrence Taylor, to not have available for them that kind of defense. So... Um, Point. Well, we thank you for calling, and I don't want to cut you off, but we have about 10 seconds left on air. Okay. Um, and I don't want to disconnect you. No stream of time left. It, it already ended. So we could actually continue the conversation. 
Point one okay. is the fact that minors are protected by the law. At 16, she's still deemed a minor. Definitely. Not really responsible for her behavior. So point one is negated. Point two, that's the Constitution. And they say that our laws are the best in the world. I'm inclined to disagree in some facts, but again, I don't have any other basis to put it on. I do understand the point that you're making in regards to that. But yeah, no matter what crime I commit, if it's on the law books, no matter if I think, oh, I was, I'm ignorant to it, oh, I didn't know I was committing a crime. There's plenty, plenty of crimes that I was arrested for. I didn't know I switch, illegally switched lanes, got a ticket for it. I mean, I, was, I didn't know I was speeding. My odometer's not working. So you, ignorance of the law does not negate the law. And that, that's like one of the main um, affirmations of the law currently that we don't live under in America. Well, yeah, I know. And, and to me. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, to me, it's, it's, um, it's a stupid foundation. Because there are 2,000 laws made every year. There are something like 9,000 laws on the books. It is not our responsibility as citizens of the United States to know every one of these laws, especially since 94% of the congressmen don't even read the bills they sign. Right, right, I mean, right. Okay. So um, I know what you're saying because a lot of people who believe in the law, I don't believe in the law. Okay, I believe in common sense because laws are made by people who are, to a large degree, bribed by their sponsors or lobbyists, people who send them to co- uh, to Congress. Right. And a lot right. of laws, if you examine them, you just say, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> right. This is a right. law? Right. <laughs> so I don't believe in the law just because it's a law. Uh, you know, and there are a lot of times in history, I mean, you take a look at the blue laws, you know, in one state or in a few states, if you walk a cat on Sundays, you're breaking the law. You know, I mean, stupid laws. South Carolina, we have a number of blue laws that are still in the book. They just don't make any sense. Right, exactly. Yeah, I know about that. Yeah. So if you go back in history, you take a look at some of the major laws which didn't make sense. Just because the Supreme Court came down with decisions, yeah, we have to abide by them because, you know, the the police will say, you do what I say or I blow your head off. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in a matter of uh, pragmatism, you do what they say. But in terms of the right. law being common sense or having rational thought, I say eh, a lot of these laws are just plain stupid. So, right. Well, the one thing I want to say, too, is um, you made a comment about, you know, it should be between him and her. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to take from a cognitive standpoint, a lot of times, you know, our brains are not even fully developed for us to make good decisions until we reach about 21, to be honest. And that's, you know, still being tested as well. But on top of that, Personally, I made decisions at 16 that I wouldn't even made at 18, and that's two years later. So, me personally, I think I do need laws and different things to protect me, because I mean, at 16, I'm just not going to be mindful enough to say this is healthy, this is not healthy. Um, I may know that it's not the best choice, but I mean, I have children, and I I, I thank God that there are laws, because if there weren't some sort of laws. I might, my daughter might flirt with a guy that's 35 and she's 16. Well, maybe he took it too far. Maybe she didn't want to go that far. But because there's no law, now I got his word against hers. And I think, too, with that particular issue, it was more besides just a sexual act. It was some talk about her being beaten. Well, that I didn't hear. So, you know, but going to no, More than likely, she was contracted out by somebody else. She's probably, in lack of a better word, a slave. She probably has a pimp that's, you know what I'm saying, putting her in these positions. I'm pretty sure she wasn't independently contracted to make this arrangement with Lawrence Taylor. So she's being victimized more than likely by someone else. Exactly. You're a minor. All right, but see, that's the mindset which has now been imprinted upon us these past few years. 
Yeah, and I'll, I'll even go one further. I don't think most people are actually emotionally or mentally developed until about 25 or even older. And I'm talking mm-hmm. about... I agree. You know, uh, you know, really knowing enough about the world to make good decisions. Right. However, at the same time, when, yeah, first off, she does have a pimp. But it's not my responsibility to, you know, to try to look underneath your makeup to see if you're, if you look like you're 22, act like you're 22, for me to find out you're 16. Um, so that's, that's the, uh, that's the kind of mindset which is being imprinted upon us to make everybody else responsible for somebody else's choices. Now, you're right. I mean, if your child who is 16 is flirting with somebody 35, then sorry, that's your responsibility. You should have taught your kid better. Okay. And in terms of laws, um, a law making me or making anybody responsible for another person's decision, nah, that's draconian. That's uh, that's taking away people's freedoms and civil liberties. It's a parent's responsibility to teach that kid how to grow up. Now, the kid, um, depending upon his circumstances, the environment of the home, um, her ability or his ability to uh, absorb training, how well the, the parents do, all that has to be taken into consideration. But you can't take away somebody's life just because another person is an underdeveloped uh, human being. They, um, so, uh, that's a valid perspective, but wasn't it Lawrence Taylor's responsibility to make sure that she was of legal age? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, why? If she's 16, then let her look like 16 and 15. And then if she looked 15 and 16 and then Lawrence Taylor knew it, that's a different story. But when you're so... When I was in the service, service, I knew guys... I think everybody, we all know that we have underage prostitutes. And sometimes it's not the child's fault. And we have to remember because they are a child, they're just that a child. They're not able to make cognizant decisions for themselves. If I'm a bad parent, that's no fault of my child. She may be in a position she has no right being in due to my lack of parenting skills. Or maybe I'm a great parent. I don't know what you teach your children. I was very by My mother was the strict of the strictest. I knew better. But because I wanted to do certain things, I did it. I knew I was going to get my behind tore up. I knew I was going to be on punishment all summer. But I wanted to do what I wanted to do, not because my mother didn't parent me correctly, not because my father didn't parent me correctly. But I made that choice well, that because I was 16, right. because you I was a child. And if you knew it, then you got But to that didn't make it right for another individual because of my lack of responsibility at 16 to take advantage of that situation. And my whole thing is this, you know, we have to be responsible for self. Whether or not you agree with the law, I agree with it, or whoever, the law is the law. And this is what we have to deal with when we do crime. We, we're under that law because of where we live. Um, unfortunately, we just we don't have that liberty. We can disagree until Jesus come back, but it is what it is. And we all know what most laws say about, you know, prostitutes, and that was law number one, and, you know, teenagers and us soliciting for sex or buying sex or whatever you want to call it. So because he knew that, at that point he made a decision to put himself in a position. And if that's the decision he made, that's fine. Now he has to reap the benefits, and they're negative benefits, but he has to reap those consequences, those benefits. So at this point, it's not even about a right or a wrong because we can't change the law. At this point, it's about we have to deal with what it is. And what it is is that he is in a position. And more than likely, he will be found guilty on some count, and he will serve some sort of time more than likely. Um, we can just, like I said, we can disagree with the laws. We can disagree and 
have our viewpoints, but that's all we can do. It is what it is. And what it is is the law, and it has been broken. You know, if they find him guilty, so then he's broken the law. Accept, and if not, then that's right. Are you willing right. to accept any law just as long as it comes down the pike? It's not about me accepting it. Unfortunately, I know that, you know, there's certain things I can't change. I know my limitations. Um, then he and because I know what the law says, like about drinking and driving, I, I refuse to get intoxicated. Maybe I swerved a so little bit. I swear when I'm my, not intoxicated. But because I know that I can get arrested for that, I just won't do it. You're saying that the law is the law. So any law is a good law. Now, I never said it was good or bad. What I said is it's the law. So when I do certain things, I need to know that, look, this this may be the outcome. So in other words, you're willing to accept any law as long as it's the law. I didn't say any. What I said is that this is where we are. Which is what I never said that. No, no, no. You didn't say it. No, what I'm saying is this is what it is. This is where we are. Exactly it. This is his standpoint. That this is what it is, then you're in this particular time. situation, yes. Oh, so in this so particular situation, wanna, yes. All right, so in this situation, yes, but in other situations, if you don't like the law, then you don't see or feel that the law is right. I thought we just I'm not even saying this is right or wrong. That's what I thought too, but I'm not well, saying that this law is right or wrong. What I'm saying is it is a law, and we have options as adults to abide by it or not to abide by it. But whatever the circumstances are, once you make that decision, that is what you have to deal with. I'm not and saying it's right or wrong, any law, period, or this particular case. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. What I'm saying is that I it is a law. So at that point, when we know it's a law, then we have to make a choice. And you also and said he made his have, choice. And you also said there's nothing we can do about it. Well, if that's the case, then there wouldn't be a lot of laws having been overturned because of citizens saying that this law, whatever the law was, was a bad law. So that's why I said... Let me clarify. When I say there's nothing we can do about it, what I'm saying is that he's made his decision, and this is where he is. He's in court. So let me clarify that. Yes, laws have changed all the time. I do understand that. Right, and you believe that Lawrence Taylor, since the law is the law, that he did something wrong. No, I'm not going to say he's right or wrong. I will not say that. You will not get me to say that. What I'm saying is he made a decision, and this is where he is. That's what I'm saying. And if he gets um, a sentence, um, let's say four years. Then that's where he is. Yeah. If he doesn't get a sentence, then that's where he is as well. Okay. You know, I'm not going to say he's right or wrong. Do you believe that this law, because Lawrence Taylor suffers the consequences, is a good law? I'm about to say, I really don't even know it in full to comment on it. Yeah, can you state the law that you're talking about, sir? Well, the law that, he, you know, he supposedly, according to her, he's responsible for her actions. Because she's 16, he didn't know it, and ignorance of the law is no excuse. If he gets convicted, he's going to be convicted because of the law, whatever the law is. And if he gets convicted of it, then ipso facto, it's a good law. Okay, this is what he was convicted of. He was convicted of third-degree rape, not convicted of, indicted on, and third-degree rape mm-hmm. and patronizing a prostitute. On the third-degree rape charge, it was um, endangering the uh, welfare of a child, she is a child, and sexual abuse and criminal sexual act in a third degree. For this particular uh, crime, he faces up to four years in prison if convicted. He has currently denied all the charges. Yeah, she is a child. Mm-hmm. That's against the law. It is a criminal sexual act. That is against the law. 
I know it's against the law. Yeah, I know it's against the law. I thought I made it clear, though, that not all laws are good laws. Okay? And you also this said... This particular law. I think this particular law is a good law. It's a good law. So if there was a law that if somebody gets into an argument with somebody, and as a result of that argument, another person falls down dead because of the stress of the argument, um, and maybe because the person had a couple of heart attacks before or was drinking, and as a result of the argument, endangers himself to the degree where he dies. Is that person who has an argument with that person who died, is that person responsible for that other person's death? Ooh, you like you, you give me some, some complicated scenario. That's yeah. kind of deep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a deep one, well, I right like there. It you made me look at things from a different viewpoint. Yeah, that's Definitely, <laughs> got me thinking now. All right, that's so the law. Now remember, the <laughs> law isn't made due to physical science or due to natural law. The law is made arbitrarily. The law right, is made right. by people in Congress who get paid to make these laws. And then, again, these laws can be reversed and repealed by other people who come in who are paid by lobbyists to repeal them. Just because a law is a law doesn't make it a good law. The Dred Scott no, law is not a good law. Slavery was not a good law. I think you two can right. identify with that. So at the same time, there are cases where, do you know if in, in certain states, if you get into an argument with somebody and you put the hands on them, I mean just touch them, that's assault. You can go to jail for that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So, does that make sense? Sometimes you're going to be in somebody's face as a result of an argument. Let's say uh, husband, wife, or two friends, or two brothers, and they, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes they just touch each other's arm, you know, just like saying, you know, uh-huh. um, I'm here or get away from me. Just by that touch, they can go to jail. That's assault. Not, you know, some people think assault means you have to hit somebody in the mouth and knock out teeth, okay? Mm -hmm. So the thing I'm getting at is that we have to be careful of the law just because the law exists. We have to actually understand what's the rationale behind it. And that's why a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, civil defense attorneys, ACLU, and the like are kept busy, all right? And there's like, for example, there was a guy who was arrested. You probably heard about him. Um, He was inside his own house. Um, a couple of days ago, his, his music was playing loud. The neighbors called the cops. Cops came. They they found this guy coming back. He left the house um, to go to the hardware store. Came back, left his music on too loud. And the cops said, do you have identification? The guy said, I have identification inside my house. So he goes inside his house to get the identification. The cop follows him inside the house. So the guy says, okay. He picks up a camera and takes a picture of the cop. The cop doesn't like mm-hmm. it. So now he charges the guy with illegal photography. Mm. And the guy has to get a law, you know, I mean, a bunch of stupid crap only right. to harass somebody because it annoyed, in this instance, a cop. So we have to be careful about laws, all right? Because if we just accept laws as they come down the pike, we're, you know, mm-hmm. the nation's already going downhill as it is, the nation's right. already cooked. And if we just continue to accept law simply because they're laws, then as far as, you know, in, in mm-hmm. about, you know, in a couple of years, we'll be Soviet Russia. So that's why I'm yeah. asking about yeah. Lawrence Taylor. Personally, 
Um, yeah, like I said, there are people who are underdeveloped because their experiences in life don't really prepare them for certain decisions. But when they Definitely. make choices, then those choices, especially if it's not um, extremely harmful, um, should not be transferred onto another person's shoulders. The fact that prostitution is a harmless crime, just like smoking weed. If a person wants to go to a hooker, let him go to a hooker. If the hooker looks is 13, and uh, like I was about to say before, when I was in the service, I had some buddies of mine who were almost in serious trouble because the girls that they had as girlfriends were like freshman year high school students, mm -hmm. but they lied and they said that they were college students. But, you know, you're not going to ask your girlfriend, you know, can I see your ID? You don't do that. So the laws have to be taken into consideration. All the, all the, the idiots that make these laws, they have to take into consideration real-life scenarios. So that's what I wanted to say. And, okay, that's about it. So what I'll do is... Well, we definitely thank you for calling. All righty, so take it easy, okay? You too, man. Thank you for your You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello? All right, that was... Mr. Blue? An interesting perspective. It was. It was very different. As, uh, I, I appreciate everybody's perspective. That's all I can say. Well, it's been a long time since we now, had a Are we still advocate. recording? Yeah, it was a long time since we had a devil's advocate. Okay. And, um, it has been. It has been. Oh, it ended, it it ended, been. That's the recording ended itself for some reason. Okay. Okay. So are we still on air or no? I don't know if we are or not. Okay, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call you back in a little bit. <laughs> right, That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call right, you back. Give me about right. two, three minutes so I can get in the car. All right, babe. Bye. This policy is valid from January 4th, 2019. This podcast is a personal podcast written and edited by F. Christopher Blue and his conglomerates at morethantherapy.org. For questions about this podcast, please contact staff at morethantherapy.org. The podcast accepts form of cash advertising, sponsorship, paid insertions, or other forms of compensation. The compensation received may influence the advertising content, topics, or posts made in this podcast. That content, advertising space, or posts may not always be identified as paid or sponsored content. The owners of this podcast is compensated to provide opinion on products, services, websites, and various other topics. Even though the owners of this podcast receives compensation for our post or advertisements, we always give our honest opinions, findings, beliefs, or experiences on those topics or products. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are purely the podcast's own. Any product claim, statistic, quote, or other representation about a product or service should be verified with the manufacturer, provider, or party in question. This podcast does not contain any content which might present a conflict of interest.